but I welcome to the Tower Water region. Turn your Bibles over to the book of Ephesians. You know, I, I'm in a lot of pain right now. Yet last night or yesterday afternoon, the, all the preteens had a, um, a preteen outing and we went ice skating. The first hour I was, I was a man, I was studly. And then came the first fall and the second fall, but it wasn't the falling. I was skating by Dan Layton and we were talking and I did an all out face plant and I looked up and I can, I'm, I think he had to smirk on his face and he would have bust out laughing, but he held it in. But I thought that's all good. And I got up and just kept on talking, but uh, it was funny, wasn't it Dan? Just a little bit, but no, we had such a great time going skating. I want to change your culture here in the church too. A lot of times the men, and I saw Dee and Leon, they came up here and Dee always, Dee said, I mean, Leon said to Dee, he said, this is my beautiful wife. I want the wives come up and say, this is my studly, <laughs> dark, chocolate, handsome. And then just look at him and go, Arr! you know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just saying, I mean, you know what I'm saying, you know? I mean, surely Leon got the better part of the deal, but you got something. I'm just saying, I just never heard it. I'm just throwing it out there, you know? It's like, she's beautiful, and then you get up and like, and I'm with him. I mean, come just, I'm just saying, just give us a little bit, just a little bit. You don't have to, and, but you know, you with me, Do you, brothers, you with me? Okay, I'm. Maybe it's just me, but Ephesians chapter one, and it's going to be really awkward for the first person who does it. Matt, Matt has me connected. He is a stud. <laughs> but uh, before we get started, um, let's go to God in prayer. Um, I also want to pray. I, I thought I saw just for a minute. Uh, Lizzie Crawford, I know her um, Her dad passed away a few days ago, but let's go to God in prayer uh, for our service, um, but also in prayer for the family and for our hearts, and then we'll go ahead and look into the word. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we come to you today uh, so grateful, Father, that we have the opportunity to come and worship you. I pray, God, that during this time that it's not in vain, God, that during this time that we are encouraged and inspired in our hearts because of who we are in Christ. I pray, God, that we will leave here inspired or all inspired because of what you've done for us and continue to do or inspire to be part of your great and awesome kingdom. I do pray, God, that allow the scriptures to move our hearts, allow your spirit to do a work in our hearts right now that we have no idea what needs to be done. But I pray also, God, I do pray, Father, even as we, we're gonna look at the scriptures today, I do pray also, I, do want, I just want to start a prayer for uh, the Crawford family. God, I do know that when you have lost in the family, that it is challenging. I pray that you comfort the family. I pray that as a church, God, that all the blessings we see, that we can also comfort others as well. God, I do pray, uh, God, for your hand to move. God, be with us just this, uh, just this short period of time. God, please just clear our minds. God, I know that there's so much going on. There's so many things that we could be doing but we choose to be here, God, to learn more about you. And I pray that during this time, as we look at about seven or eight, ver seven or eight words today, 
in your scriptures, God. Help us to think about you. Help us to think about our hearts. Help us to think about what you've done so that we could be here right now. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think it's, if you don't mind, I thought it was up. But we are in the book of Ephesians. And um, I don't have a phone. Oh, you have my phone. There you go. I just gave it to you. But we're going through um, Ephesians in the first um, for our Sundays and some of our midweeks for the next three to four months. We are talking about who do you think you are? And it's not who do you think you are, but in the sense of I want us to be as disciples of Christ to be inspired of who we are in Christ. And it's really, I think the first chapters, and I'm going to approach it from the next three chapters, is I, I'm in like, I'm over, over the top, overwhelmed, inspired by what Christ has done and who we are now in Christ Jesus. And I realize that sometimes I don't even understand the depth of who I am. But hopefully just, thanks so much, Matt. But I pray that just as we go through these passages that it'll help our hearts just a little bit, that we walk out of the doors today and we leave, we'll be more excited about who we are in Christ. And if we can accomplish just a little bit of that, and we can walk out of here today looking at your word, looking at God's word, and feel like, man, I am special, then the sermon has hit your heart. You know, um, in the past few weeks, um, and uh, thanks so Matt, thanks so much for uh, Matt. Um, and I've, I've listened to the Matt, I listened to the sermons, so inspiring. Even last week on adoption, so moving, so grateful. I was in a car driving to Baltimore to be with a friend whose child is going through a few things, and I put it in my ear and I listened to the message. So I feel inspired by God that I am adopted and part of His family, and I'm so grateful. But I know we've looked at, I am blessed. Are you blessed in Christ? Are you blessed? You need to say, I am blessed. I, I know it's funny, but we don't, sometimes we don't believe that. But if you're in Christ, you got to say, I am blessed. It's amazing. But not only that, but I am chosen. I guess you can just keep repeating after me. I am chosen. Before the creation of the world, God chose you. I'm adopted. I am in him. Because of his love, we are predestined and adopted as his sons. I am adopted. I am a raven. I figured since I had y'all going, I got to keep on going. I wanted you to feel all the blessings that we felt in 2000, not this year. But, you know, I, I, don't, I think that we got to understand that you are special people. God's plan from the very, you got to hear this, and I, I, I know we say things and we hear the words, but sometimes, like, you know how somebody comes up to you and say, oh, you, oh you're awesome, or you're beautiful, in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, whatever. I think sometimes we can read this passage. It's like, yeah, I'm blessed, I'm chosen, I'm adopted, but I don't feel that way. It's not how you feel, it's a truth. And I think it's hard sometimes for our hearts to say, man, I am special in the eyes of God. And I think that's what God, I believe, in this passage today wants us to understand. You're not here by mistake. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're in Christ or someone has invited you out, you're not here by mistake. This has been a part of God's plan since before the creation of the world. You're here 
because God was thinking about you individually. He was thinking about his church and having a people of his own before you even thought about. You're here today because God wants you to be here. You're not an accident. You didn't stumble on this church. You didn't stumble on Christ. Everything from the time of your birth to this moment, God has been working to bring you into this relationship that you either have or can have in Christ. When you've gone through valleys and hard times, God was like, I was right there. I wanted you to go through that because I wanted you to see me. Every joy you've had, yes, God says, I gave you that. You know why? Because I want you to see me. Everything you've gone through from, a tr you know, from trials to temptations, through valleys to highs, God has been working through the whole time because I want to bless you. I've chosen you. I've, I've adopted you. I want a relationship with you. And if we view everything we go through with God is working through our lives, to bring us to a place close to him, it changes the way we, how we live and we think and just everything. You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 7, and today because I'm only, gonna, I'm only focusing on seven or eight verses, and then we'll, start, we'll look back again on, on Wednesday. But just if I can help us to see a little bit of part of God, I think the sermon has done what it's supposed to do, okay? You know, back in the very beginning, God created the Garden of Eden and put two people there that he loved so much. God's desire, you got to understand this, God's desire has always been to love you from the very beginning. When he started his nation, the Israelites, in Deuteronomy 7 and 6, here's what he says about his people. For you are a people holy to the Lord, our Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Of all the six billion people on the planet, all of the hundred thousand people, God has chosen you today, right now, to be his treasured possession. You are a treasure to God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, as he describes us today, but you are a chosen people. You are chosen if you're in Christ. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. If you're in Christ, you are God's special possession. He has been thinking about you. You've been on his heart. You've been on his mind. Everything that he does is because he loves you. You are special. I don't know what's going on in your life, but God loves you that much. If we could just grab that, we could be done today. But God loves us that much. You know, my title today is I Am Redeemed. This one is for the men. This one's for the women. <laughs> for the men. For the women. Men, you say, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Women say, I'm redeemed. <laughs> My title today is, speaking to the men now, no, is I am redeemed. Let's look in, in, in Ephesians 
chapter one, verse three. And when you get a chance, I encourage you to go home and just write out this chapter. And verse three, praise be to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Why did he do all this? In love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ and according with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us, freely given us in the one he loves. In verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of, his, of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven or earth under Christ. The word here in verse seven, I'm, my focus today is on verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood. The word here says we have redemption. I am redeemed. The Greek word alpolotros, it means a releasing affected by payment of ransom. When you're redeemed, it's a releasing affected by a payment of ransom. It also, understand it says a deliverance as a result of a payment of a ransom. It applies emancipation from the guilt, the punishment, and power of sin. A restoration of true liberty. Today, as we look at these few verses, I want us to understand this, that you've been redeemed. We sing the song, I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, but we sing it, unfortunately, only at baptisms, but we should sing it all the time, I've been redeemed. You are in Christ, you've been redeemed. You've been delivered. You've been set free. The punishment that you deserve has already been paid up. Man, it's a blessing that we can say, I've been redeemed. The first time we read the word redeemed in the Bible is in Ephesians chapter six. And it takes place with a story, I said Ephesians, sorry, Exodus, sorry, Exodus chapter six. Did I say Ephesians? That's a good passage too. <laughs> Exodus chapter six, you'd be like, how could that be the first place? We just read it. Three chapters earlier. That don't make sense. But in Exodus 6, you know, at this time, it's a story, it's the redemptive story of God's people. Israel had been in Egypt for nearly 400 years. They were invited there by the Pharaoh, the one in Joseph's time. And over the period of time, the Israelites, they begin to grow. And as they grow, one Pharaoh went out, another one came in. The new Pharaoh 
as they grew, he got a little afraid. He says, look, let's oppress them more. And you read in Exodus, you begin to read, you understand the story. And this new Pharaoh began to oppress God's people. And God's people became slaves and oppressed. And he put more work and more things upon them. Not only that, did he increase their load, but at a period of time, he killed their, some of their, children, their younger children. And over a period of time, the Egyptians began to feel that they own God's people. And God's people suffered terribly, but then the cries came up to God. And God says in Exodus 6, 6, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore uplifted hands to give to Abraham, to Isaac, Jacob. I will give it to you as possession. I am the Lord, your God. And here's the thing. If you read six chapters later, what does God do? He frees them. But if you understand how he frees them, it's powerful. The way he freed them, it took the death of all the firstborn in Egypt. The way he freed them, it took the blood sacrificed by the lamb spread over the doorposts. All of this points to the freedom of the death of the firstborn and the blood that was shed that we now find in Jesus Christ. We're not just delivered from a land. We're delivered from one of the biggest problems of mankind. It's our sin. If you sum up the whole Bible, it's all a big redemption story. You look at Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery, but yet he was redeemed. You read about Egyptians, you read, I mean, about the Israelites, you read about the great story of Ruth and Boaz, right? The kinsman redeemer. The redeemer would come, he was willing. He was part of the family. And he had the money to pay for the land that also brought in Ruth. What a great story. That's what Jesus did for us. He was willing. He was part of the family. And he was able. Today, I want to look at just a few things to help us to understand that we've been redeemed. Go back to Ephesians, Ephesians, right? Ephesians chapter one. Is that right? Ephesians, yeah. In my mind, I'm saying, I'm thinking Exodus, but I'm thinking Ephesians. You know, after being here for four years, I know one thing about our congregation. When I talk about things, and this has been consistent, I think it's where we got to grow. When I think of, when I talk about things about how amazing you are in Christ, you get quiet. This is, this is true. When I talk about you're amazing, it gets quiet. When I talk about how you need to change and repent, amen, amen. So what it tells me is when I talk about things and build you up in Christ, you're like, I wonder if you believe it. 
I think we could be so much more in touch with, I see my sin, instead of thinking, man, how blessed I am in Christ. We need to be more fired about lessons like this. Are you with me? Now, you know it's true. You're thinking like, man, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But when I go out there, it's, yeah, but you got to hear this because it changes what it's like when you go out there. My first point, look at verse 7. It says, in him. Let's stop right there. In him. Told you I got like 10 verses and I'm going to work these 10 verses. My first point is the great person of your redemption. The great person. The Bible says in him, I read another translation, says it is through the son at the cost of his own blood that we are redeemed. And it's referring to Jesus Christ. Jesus is our redeemer. A redeemer is someone who, who buys back something that was once theirs. Think about that. A redeemer buys back something that was once theirs. Jesus is your redeemer. When God created you, you were created in his image. You were his. And he says, I want to bring by you back. That's love. Jesus, the great praise the person. A redeemer is someone who comes to save, rescues, or delivers someone out of trouble by paying a great price for their freedom. You and I were in great trouble because of our sin. And Jesus, the great person of Jesus, says, I'm coming to rescue you because you can't do it by yourself. Jesus Christ is our living redeemer. Jesus Christ is who reached out and saved our lost souls. The Bible says, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came and says, look, I love you that much. I'm coming to ransom my life for you. You got to think about that. You didn't initiate it. You loved because he loved you first. Yeah. You were a mess. And he says, I love you. And he says, I have the ability, the power to do something about it. And I'm going to come and redeem you. You know, in the Old Testament, when they heard the word redeemer, it was a, a different word. And it meant to buy in the marketplace. And it meant probably, it was probably, you know, to buy things, to redeem the marketplace. Let me read the story. I have a few stories today because I want us to understand this redemption and redeeming. The story is told of Abraham Lincoln, who went to the slave block and there noticed a young black girl up for auction. Moved with compassion, he bid and won her. Upon purchasing her, Lincoln told the disbelieving young girl that she was free. In her surprise, she says, well, what does that mean? It means you are free, he replied. But does that mean, she said, I can say whatever I want to say? Yes, my dear, you can say whatever you want to say. Well, does that mean I can be whatever I want to be? Yes, you can be whatever you want to be. Well, does that mean I can go wherever I want to go? Yes, that means you can go wherever you want to go. 
And the girl with tears streaming down her face says, well, then I'll go with you. You know, that gives us a, a small picture of why we should follow the one who redeemed us. God comes and says, look, I'm setting you free. And you got to understand, it's not just this theory. This is Jesus saying, I want you. You're free. And I'm setting you free. I've done all the work. I've done everything. You're free. And our response out of love and gratitude is, well, then I will go with you. You see the motivation here? The motivation is, wow, then I will go with you. You know, everything in this chapter is about the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, every spiritual blessing is in who? Christ. He chose us in who? Christ. Adoption, been, adoption to sonship through who? Jesus Christ. In him, we have redemption through Jesus Christ. We're purposed in Christ. We're under Christ. Verse 12, our hope is in Christ. Apart from Christ, apart from Jesus, we have nothing. Apart from the one who saw us on the slave block and purchased us, apart from him, we are nothing. I think if we really understood what Jesus did, tears will come streaming down our eyes just out of the blue. Really? Me? You know your mess, don't you? You know the slavery of sin that was in your life. You know all that, and it's like, you did that for me? But what? But what did I? You, you, you can do nothing. But I, no, you did nothing to deserve it. Not because I love you. But that doesn't make sense. I didn't ask you, did it make sense? I think this is where it's hard. This is where it's hard for me to connect. I'm like, well, surely I did something that would make you know. You were dirty and filthy, and I adopted you. Why? Because I loved you, not because you had any power. I chose you. Out of what? Millions. I chose you. Why? Because I love you. But why? Because I love you. Why? Because I love you. I'm done. It's a hard thing to grasp. It's a hard thing for us to hold on to. It's easy to hold on. Let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. I want to earn my salvation since I did this. Therefore, this is why you love. No, all your righteous acts like filthy records. It's because he loves you that much. The response is, where you go, then I'll go. But you know, one of the encouraging things about this, we don't have a dead redeemer. We have a living redeemer. It wasn't that when you came out of the waters of the baptistry and you became, you went from out of Christ, you died, you born again in Christ, into his kingdom. It's not like he just said, great job, and just left away. He's like, look, I'm still involved in your life. Jesus, our living redeemer. And he can still pick you up when you're down. Do you understand that? Do you understand, who do you go to when you get down? Man, life is challenging. Who do you go to? Do you, hey, bro, hey, sis, or do you go to Jesus? You're the person. Are you with me? It's the person of Jesus Christ. Who do you go to? 
But it's not fair. I don't understand life. Well, go to your Redeemer. But I don't get it. Go to Jesus. Jesus, our living Redeemer, that can strengthen us when you're weak. How many of us get weak? How many of us, I mean, the trials in life, it just tears you down. And you feel like, how do I go on? Jesus is how you go on. That's how you go on. It's Jesus. But if I have a longer, quiet time, and if I share with enough people, people, I appreciate you saying that, Jonathan. If I do all these things, then no, go to Jesus. Get yourself up and go pray and talk to Jesus. Because he's your redeemer. I got so many needs. How am I going to get my needs met? Go to Jesus. I need shelter from the storms. Go to Jesus. I'm in trouble. Go to Jesus. But I got this addiction and I, this drug addiction, this sexual addiction, all these things for so long. Go to Jesus. He's your redeemer. Go to Jesus. You know, my, the only practical I have is, is, you know, hey, he's your redeemer. The great person of Christ, keep going to Jesus. Are you with me? It's not a whole lot. Just keep going to Jesus. If you can walk out of here and think, man, why are you redeemed? Because Jesus. And that should be so much on our lips. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hey, I, why, 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 why am I here? Why, why do you go to church? Jesus redeemed me. Where, where else would I go? I don't, I don't, where you go, I go. I, I don't know. Second point. How much time do I have? Oh, yeah. My clock is broken. I'm staying here all day. <laughs> it's Matt's fault. Matt's been preaching, so I got to get up. I'm like, man, I got extra time. And I got to catch up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I ain't been up here in a while. No, I'm just kidding. Man. <laughs> My second, second point, it says, in him we have what? Go back to the first one. Verse 7 says, in him we have what? The great person, but also the great pardon of our redemption. great pardon by some accounts there were 60 million okay 60 million slaves in the ancient Roman Empire in Paul's day so when he would have said these words there were 60 probably more than 60 million people in the Roman Empire in Paul's day there were slaves and these individuals, each one was created in the image of God, but they were treated like personal possessions, like a piece of furniture or a prized cow, mere property, but not as precious human souls. They were bought and sold like any other commodity or property. That's what it was like when he would have said, well, this is what they would have understood, like, man, there's so much. I'm looking like, man, so many people sleep, but it says in him we have redemption. In a similar way, in the spiritual realm, all of us are born as slaves to sin. The Bible says in Romans 5.12, therefore just as sin entered to the world, went, entered the world through one man and death through, this, through sin, and this way death became, came to all people because all sinned. Our biggest problem is not slavery, but slavery to what? Without Jesus, we are still under the power of sin. 
John 8.34 says, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. If right now you are not in Christ, understand this, you are a slave. We don't even like to hear that word. If you're not in Christ, you're a slave to your sin. Your sin owns you. You are trapped, shackled in your sin if you don't have Christ. In him, but in him, we have redemption. There's pardon. Without Jesus, it's not only slave to sin, but we're slave to self. The act and simple nature of obvious sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, witchcraft, hatred, the selfish ambition, it goes on, drunkenness and the like. Without Christ, you're just slave to your selfishness. Everything is about you, and you know it's true. What can I get? What can I do? It's about me. How do I feel? I want to be happy. Self, 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 but in Christ, you can set free from self. Without Christ, listen to this. J-Rob said this in Ephesians 2, you are a slave to a system. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the power of the evil one. If you're not in Christ, you are under the power of Satan. We don't say that, but it's true. When you understand what you've been redeemed, what Christ has freed you from, it fires me up. But if you're not in Christ, you are under Satan. Satan is your God. Satan is who you follow. Outside of Christ, you are ruled by Satan. I've never heard anybody walk around and say, who do you follow? I follow Satan. Well, I have heard that before, actually. <laughs> Different realms. But outside of Christ, the truth is, Majority of us in here have been set free, but there's some in here right now are followers of Satan. You may walk in here, but when you walk back out of here, you go back to your sin and your selfishness and the greed and your life because you follow Satan. And Christ says, I want to redeem you. I want to bring you back from, I want to deliver you from that slavery. The Bible says here in Galatians chapter 5, Verse one, listen to this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Therefore stand fast and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What Christ wants, you know what he wants? He wants to set you free. He wants to break the shackles. He wants to say, look, you're, I want to free you. You got to understand that. Listen, if you're in Christ, you've been set free. We don't even understand that sometimes. It says for freedom. And it goes on in Galatians 1, 4. It says, talks about Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil age. He said, look, and I get this picture of my mind, and I don't, my mind works in weird ways, but I get this picture, and I have this line, this drawing, and I have Jesus here, and I have all the enemies of Satan and all the powers of this evil world and all the darkness that I have myself way back, shackled in slaves, put in a prison, and I can't do anything. 
and I'm stuck. And I get this picture of Jesus says, I'm going to do something. Because you can't. But I'm going to do something. I get this picture that he goes, comes down, and he breaks through the powers. And they're hitting him. And they're mocking him. And they're cursing him. He's like, I got to get to Phil. And I got this picture. And he's like going and he's going. And he goes back and he says, you are free. And I'm thinking, all that for me. Oh, what did I do to deserve it? Nothing. I just knew you were enslaved and you need to be set free. But thank you. But, that, but, that, but that's not it. Colossians 1 says, but he delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us to the kingdom of the sun. He loves us. He says, look, now that I got you, I'm going to... I'm not going to just free you and leave you in darkness. I'm going to free you and take you with my son and you're part of his kingdom. How did I get this? And your kingdom is holiness and justification and righteousness. How do I get this? Because I loved you. Because I've been thinking about you. But you don't got to understand it. Then I will follow you. Are you with me? Have I lost you? And that's what Christ does. I am redeemed. I've been set free. Romans 6, verse 18, it says, Being, the man, being then made free, see that you, become, that you become servants of righteousness. Look, I've been set free. I'm no longer a slave to darkness. The shackles are broken. Now I'm, I'm a servant of righteousness. Man, you set me, God, you set me free. I just want to live with your son. I want to be with your son. I want to, the person who has pardoned me, I want to be with them forever and ever. Why? Because I am grateful. Thank be to God. The great pardon. Freedom. Nobody wants to be a slave. Sometimes you feel like a slave at your job. <laughs> Have you been living free in Christ? Freedom from knowing the truth. Freedom from having the Holy Spirit. Freedom from having your sins forgiven. Have you, have you as God's redeemed child been enjoying? We should be the happiest people on the planet. I've never, I've never seen someone get out of prison. I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to go back. <laughs> you don't see it. People get out of prison, it's like, yes, I'm free. But Christ doesn't just free you. He set you free. Put his righteousness on you. Put you into the kingdom of the son. You're identified with Jesus Christ. So people don't see you as a criminal ever again. It's more than freedom that we get. We have been brought back. We've been redeemed. Our sins have been pardoned. We should be joyful. The only reason Christians aren't joyful because they've been set free. And they try to go back into prison. If you're not joyful, I wonder if God says you're free indeed. But you're going back to sin, back to deceit, back to immorality, back in impurity. Well, I don't feel free. Well, he set you free. Live free. Live a righteous, holy, blameless life that he's freed you from sin. If you're not joyful, I wonder if you're going back. I feel more comfortable in the shackles again. They make me feel better. It's what I'm used to. We have redemption. We've been set free.
Live free. Be free. You're free to love. You're free to show kindness. All these are the fruits of the spirit. You are free, man. You're free to be self-controlled. Man, you are free to show grace because grace has been shown to you. You are free to forgive. People find it hard to forgive, but in Christ, we can forgive. You understand that? I've been hurt. I forgive you. Why? Because Christ forgave me. Let's keep moving on. Really? Yeah. I'm good. You good? Oh, you're not good? Because you need to get in Christ. <laughs> but I've been redeemed. You see what I'm saying? You've been pardoned. The Bible says in John 8, 36, so if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. You are free indeed. You are free. You are free. If you've been redeemed, you are free. Live free. Be free. Set free. Last, last thing right here. Guys, the last point is about in him, we have redemption through his blood. The great person of our redemption, the great pardon of our redemption, and finally, the great price. The price that was paid for your redemption was blood had to be spilled. Blood had to be spilled so that you could be here redeemed. Because the wages of sin is what? So somebody had to die. But he says, no, I'm breaking through the lines. And here's the other part of the story that this has been running through my mind all week. He, Jesus breaks through the line. I'm unshackled. He picks me up, carries me over to the kingdom of the son he loves. And as I turn back around and look and say, thank you, there he is lying dead, blood spilled. And his last word is just, be free and go live the life. I did this for you. I'm thinking, oh, because of his blood. An orphan boy was living with his grandmother when their house caught fire. The grandmother trying to get upstairs to rescue the boy, the grandmother perished in the flames. The boy's cries for help were finally answered by a man who climbed an iron drain pipe and came back down with the boy hanging tightly in his neck to his neck. Several weeks later, a public hearing was held to determine who would receive custody of the child. A farmer, a teacher, and the town's wealthiest citizen all gave the reasons they felt they should be chosen to give the boy a home. But as they talked, the lad's eyes remained focused on the floor. Then a stranger walked to the front and slowly took his hands from his pockets, revealing severe scars on them. As the crowd gasped, the boy cried out in recognition, this was the man who saved his life. His hands had been burned when he climbed out of the hot pipe. With a leap, the boy threw his arms around the man's neck and held on for dear life. The other men silently walked away, leaving the boy and his rescuer alone. Those marred hands had settled the issue. Many voices. And then it goes on. But it's those scarred hands, those blood hands that says, look, I was the one. 
And the boy, you know, in the story, and this is just an illustration, but he's like, well, I'll take him, I'll take him. But no, 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 it's the one with the scarred hands. You're the one who climbed through the pipes and saved my life. It was your blood and your scars. I want to be with you. Our freedom comes at a great price. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Romans 5, 9 says we are justified by his blood. Colossians 1, 20 says we are... We are, we are reconciled to God by the blood of the cross. 1 Peter 1, 18, verse 19 says that if we are in Christ, we have been ransomed from the feudal way inherited from our forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are here because he paid the great price. He says, look, I'll climb through the fields and be bloody because I love you. Without blood, you cannot be forgiven. Millions of gallons of blood was shed in the Old Testament. But it had to be done over and over and over again because it couldn't do what Christ only could do. It was only a shadow of Christ. Blood had to be spilled. If you could take salvation as a pyramid and turn it upside down, the focal point of our salvation will point to the blood of Jesus Christ. Everything, but, but all these things, yes, but it all comes down to the blood. But I got baptized, yeah, but you got baptized, you died and came in contact with the blood of Christ. Everything is about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You know, I, let me end with the story. Again, I, I don't usually share as many stories, but I just want us to understand. Okay, are you with me? Yes. Understand. The great person, we've been pardoned by the great price. One day a man left the warm environment of a mountain lodge in Australian Alps. The weather was clement and friendly, but as, he, but as, but as can happen in high altitudes, the weather changed subtly and dramatically. Max found himself in a, blinding, in a blinding snowstorm, losing all sense of direction. He finally succumbed to the elements and collapsed. The owner of the lodge, knowing that the man had no, had no doubt lost his way, sent his best dog to look for him. Following his God-given instincts, the well-trained dog soon discovered Max, still lying where he had fallen in, in a semi-conscious state. Responding to his master's orders, the dog grabbed the sleeve of Max's frozen jacket and began to jerk and pull him. Responding, Max began to regain the senses, saw the dog, but mistook him for a wolf. Fear gripped him, pulled out his hunting knife from his sheath. He managed to reach out and stab his would-be savior. Badly wounded, the dog let go and limped back to the lodge where he fell dead at his master's feet. Sensing immediately what had happened, the owner of the lodge made his way through the blizzard, carefully following the trail of blood. He found Max once again in a semi-conscious state, but, it was able, but was able to carry him back to the safety of the lodge where he survived. His life was saved through a faithful dog carrying out his master's command, literally shedding his blood in the process. You know, as we leave here, and just kind of this whole thing of redemption, what Christ did for us, sometimes we can probably get more emotional over a dead dog than we do Jesus Christ. 
Oh, not the dog. And he laid down his life that we may have life. This is what Christ did. And I think sometimes here's what we can do. If you're not a Christian, this is for you. Sometimes the Savior can come to you and tugging you through people, come to church, study the Bible, get right, and you can say, leave me alone. And we start stabbing the person that Christ sent, that God sent to save your life. I don't want it. Stop calling. Stop asking me to study the Bible. Stop caring about my soul more than I do. And we can stab and leave me alone. And But he's like, no, I just came to reach you. And God is like, look, I send my son and there's a bloody trail. And he's saying, look, I want a relationship with you. For those of us who is in Christ, all I want to say is this, and I, I have more, but I'm stopping. We are redeemed. Revelation and five, it talks about how we can sing this song one day that we've been redeemed by the blood of the one who was slain for us. When you leave here today as disciples of Christ, your sins, we're going to talk about forgiveness on, on Wednesday. You have been completely pardoned. Go live free. Live free. You don't, we don't, I don't understand freedom. You've been set free from your sin. Live for Christ freely. Be joyful. Be happy. Live. I am redeemed. Tell somebody. Talk about, by who? By Jesus. How can you not talk about your redeemer? But finally, it wasn't because of anything you've done. It was the blood of Jesus that sets you free. You're redeemed. Amen. I'm going to stop here.